Good morning, Project Church. How's everybody doing today? Oh, it's so good to be in the house today. Um, if this is your first time here, my husband and I are the lead pastors of this church, and he's not here. He's at our Westat campus um, actually sharing the same message. So if you're like, man, I really came to hear him, you can always check, um, listen to both messages on podcast or go to our website and you'll be able to um, catch up on all the messages that you've ever missed. And we've been in, 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 a, eh, in an incredible series this, these last few weeks. How many people have been enjoying identity theft? It's all about, right. So if you haven't been here, it's all about taking back the you that's been taken from you. And essentially we live in a culture where, and in a world where we're being told that we're certain labels and that we're supposed to act a certain way because of the world and the culture and, the, um, and, and, and what's happening in this world. It, it's kind of dictating our identity, but what we're trying to do is reinstate the identity that was given to us when we came to know Jesus. When we were, um, we were put together in the womb of our mother, like one of the songs that we were singing, we have a purpose, a calling, and a destiny that has God's fingerprint on it. And so we have an identity that we need to rise up and become and uh, so that we can show people who Jesus is and what he's all about, amen? And so the last few weeks we've been saying we need to lay down certain mindsets and certain perspectives and certain rights that we've had um, in order to claim the identity that we truly have in Christ. And first, the first week we talked about laying down my feelings of inadequacy. That one was a good one. <laughs> um, number two, the second week, it was laying down or letting go my need to control. How many people was like, dude, I didn't realize I was a control freak until I listened to John talk about being a control freak. Yeah, um, that was awesome. <laughs> um, and then we talked last week about my longing for approval. And so the reason why I bring those up is because I think that they have a lot to do with what I'm going to talk about today, and it's my right to be offended. We need to lay down our right to be offended. I'm not hearing a lot of amens yet. Yeah. Next week, um, we'll be talking about laying down or letting go of our fear of failure and then following that, my earthly inheritance. So there's a lot of things that we need to let go of in order to understand the Christ identity that we have, but today I'm going to be talking about laying down our right to be offended. You ready? Hold on. Hold on to your hearts. <laughs> um, but how many people, maybe don't raise your hand, um, but you can smile or nod or give me a wink, okay? Um, how many people do you, do you feel like you're often annoyed with other people? Okay, somebody was really honest over there. <laughs> um, how many people feel like someone owes them an apology? How many people in this room, or just wink at me, you know, whatever, um, <laughs> feel like somebody needs to thank them? And how many people find themselves being very critical of others if your bent, your natural bent, or your propensity is to critique others? Then I'm willing to bet, and along with all those other questions that I asked, that we are easily offended, and that we have some offenses that we need to let go of if we're going to walk in the true freedom that Christ has called us to. I'm like swallowing. I'm sweating a little bit just talking about that. But these feelings and these, in, these opinions that we have of other people, 
are often an indication that we're, we're offended and we need to walk in the God-called purpose that we have. And the purpose that we have is to not be offended anymore because Christ died on a cross for our sins and he wiped away every last sin and offense that we've ever committed. So if we've been wiped clean, we have a clean slate, then people around us need that clean slate too. And I'm going to give you some tools and some um, practical things that we can do in order to let go of some offenses today. We're going to be freed up because here's what offenses do. They, they weight us down. We, we become burdened. And if you might be thinking, no, I would feel so much better if, if they would just... If, if they would just apologize, I would feel so much better if they would just finally appreciate me. I would feel so much better if someone just noticed me. I would feel so much better if they would stop doing that thing that annoys me so badly. I mean, sometimes it's not even like a personality trait. Sometimes it's just being annoyed by the way pe people drive on the highway. And if you're finding yourself being really easily annoyed, there's like these really small offenses and then there's like these really big offenses where somebody has just totally betrayed you. When somebody has totally just left you, abandoned you. And I know that seems like such a disparity of offenses, but God has called us to forgive every single one of those. And actually he's called us to something called overlooking an offense. Are you, guys, are you guys excited about this? All right. Proverbs 19.11 says this. Good sense makes one slow to anger, and it is his glory to overlook an offense. To overlook an offense. If you look at the Hebrew word, um, so there's two Hebrew words that make up the word overlook, and it, it actually translates to pass over an offense. So it's pretty much the, the Hebrews are telling us that when somebody offends us, instead of seeing this big mountain that we can't overcome, we need to bring that mountain down so that we can easily pass over that offense. We're being called to pass over, to overlook an offense. And it's not the kind of overlook where you're just kind of like, okay, I'm just going to sweep that under the carpet and I'm just going to let people walk all over me. No, it's going to be a wise, okay, I saw what you did there, but I'm going to choose to forgive you. I'm going to choose to overlook and pass over this offense so that I can go on with my life. I'm not going to pass over it and then carry it with me like we do so often. Do you do that after you forgive somebody or you're like, no, 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 it's okay, it's okay, when really you should be, I try to teach my kids. When, when one kid, when one of my kids offends the other, I try to tell them, you know, apologize. And then when the other apologize, I say, okay, now tell them you forgive them. And then what will one of my kids do? I have a six, four, and two-year-old. They'll be like, it's okay. And I'm like, no, 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 no. It's not okay. We need to say, I forgive you. That's a much harder thing to say than to just say, it's okay. Because it's not okay when you're offended, right? It's not okay. But we need to ask for forgiveness. So what I'm saying is not, we're not just going to pass over something and then pick up and say, oh, it's okay. And then like, really hold whatever the offense is against them the next time we, like, we come back into their presence. No, we're going to overlook the offense. We're going to forgive, and we're going to do what Christ did. It's not always easy, but it's right. And the right thing is way more important than my right to have an offense. Amen? So the key to the message this morning is found in Romans 12. Do you like my old school notes? Yeah. I'm used to the iPad, but... 
The key to my message this morning is found in Romans 12.3. So if you have a Bible, turn there, or it will be on the screen for you. And I love this verse because, again, it's the key to unlocking our true identity in Christ. Not the key to overcoming offense. It's the key to unlocking the identity that we have in Christ. Romans 12.3. For by grace given to me. I could even end just saying that. For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. For by the grace given to me. The reason why this is the key to unlocking our identity in Christ is because as Christians, and I, I know not everybody here might call themselves a Christian or might not call themselves a believer, um, but we do say here at Project Church, you don't have to believe to belong. But for those of you who have called yourselves Christians and have said, I give my life to you, Jesus, for those of you who've done that, we are marked by the grace that God has given us. We are marked. We are saying, by saying that we're Christians, we're saying, I believe that you have wiped clean my slate and that you've given me grace so that I no longer have any guilt, shame, or death in my life. We're marked by this concept of receiving grace. So our identity is with grace. And because I've been fully accepted by Christ, and I said this already, if I've been fully accepted by Christ with all my sin, all my mess, all my mistakes, if I've been fully accepted by Christ, then I cannot reject anyone who has ever offended me. So how are we going to lay down our right to be offended? How are we gonna do this? And before I jump in, I'm gonna pray. I'm gonna pray because I believe that God wants to do something in this room. I believe he wants to free some of us up and I believe that he wants to reveal to you the concept of what this word grace means. He wants to spill it out over you because some of us are offended, so offended because we're not willing to receive the grace that God has for us. So I'm gonna pray before we go into this, amen? Let's pray. Lord, I thank you, Jesus. I thank you so much for sending your son to die on a cross for every single person in this room. No matter how wide or deep our sin is, no matter if we've sinned recently, sinned a long time ago, or all of our future sins, God, they have been wiped clean because of the grace, the grace that you have given to us. By dying on a cross, your blood shed on a cross has given us grace to live this life. So, Lord, I pray that you would reveal to us what that is. I pray that you would reveal to us some of the offenses that we have. God, that you would give us the strength to overlook them, to pass over them. And, God, that you would help us to be more like your son, Jesus. We ask this in your precious and holy name. Amen. Amen. Three quick steps on how we can lay down our right to be offended. Number one, we're going to extend grace every chance we get. Somebody say extension. How many people love an extension on a bill? Just me? Okay. I'm the only one with problems? Okay, go on. <laughs> just kidding. Extension. Exten- How many people in school just loved when the teacher said, I'm going to extend that assignment two more weeks? Amen. Oh, there you go, guys. I see you there. Holla. Okay. Extension. Extend grace every chance you get. I want to encourage you to extend grace every chance you get. You know, one of my um, most, my, my, I'm so appreciative 
of the grace that people bestow me in the lobby when I say, hi, what's your name again? <laughs> it's the worst. Really, honestly, it's actually the worst. But you know what? It makes me so excited when somebody forgets my name because I'm going to be the first to be like, hey, hey, don't worry if you forgot my name. It's totally cool. So if I forget your name in the future, just remember the grace that I bestowed on you now so that you'll have grace on me later, right? And honestly, I'm just thankful for some of you who have had so much grace on me with that. You know, I can say it's nursing brain. I could say it's, but I'm not nursing anymore. I can say it's newborn brain. I don't have a newborn. I can just say it's mom brain. How many moms are with me? It's just mom brain from here on out, right? So thank you for the grace. But even I think about um, some moments when, um, when people like critique other preachers. Oh my gosh. When I'm in a room and people are like, oh, I don't really like the way he preaches because of the way his voice sounds. And, or like, oh, the way he preached, it wasn't really fiery enough. And I'm literally just sitting there being like, I am not going to say a word. Because I know that when I preach, I want the same kind of a grace that I'm extending that preacher that I've never heard to be bestowed upon me. Amen? So, okay, just, I'm just going to go ahead and receive the grace that you may not like my preaching, but I'm going to receive the grace that I've given other people that no matter what you think, I'm not going to go there. <laughs> but honestly, if you sow graciousness, you will reap graciousness. If you overlook people's, if, if you overlook an offense, then other people will look, overlook an offense later on in your life. If you are the one who first does that. It says this in Ephesians 4, 2, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love. Or in the New Living Translation, I like the way it says it better here. Always be humble and gentle. Be patient with each other, making allowance for each other's faults because of your love. If we want to represent Christ best, if we want to be a follower of Christ and really show what it means to be a disciple of Christ, we're going to start making more allowances for people. We're going to start giving more extensions. We're going to start extending grace towards other people. Not get taken advantage of. Don't get taken advantage of. And if it takes me six times before I get to know your name, don't let me take advantage of that, okay? But we want to be wise, but we also want to extend grace so that we can receive grace later on. Because here, essentially, um, what extending grace is, is giving somebody the benefit of the doubt. It's giving the person the benefit of the doubt that, you know, the first time that they met me, they probably just really had so much going in their minds. I love it when some people will be like, you know what, um, you meet so many people in a day, it's, it's no big deal, you know? Or I am like... I, I'm so thankful when people don't text me back right away because I know that there's been times when I haven't texted people, right? This sounds like I'm just giving you, these are my confessions, but no, I'm not just doing that. I'm just, I'm just trying to tell you that I have been a recipient of so much grace and I want you to be a recipient of so much grace. And I've had to try to make a concerted effort to just be gracious towards people. And I believe that I've received it as a result. I'm not trying to brag. I'm just saying that's the kingdom um, economy. What you sow, you will reap in return. And here's the thing. I want to give people the benefit of the doubt. We don't know what's happening in people's lives, why they're offending us. We don't know why that person cut us off. They may be trying to get to the hospital. They may be late for work and they're about to lose their job and they have seven other people that they have mouths to feed in their home. We don't know why. But we're going to give people the benefit of the doubt. Let's be a church that gives people the benefit of the doubt. Let's be a church that gives grace. Let's be a church that gives people extensions. Let's be a church that's so, so relaxed 
not wound up type, so relaxed that they experience the love of Christ. There's no roadblock because we've said, nope, no grace. Let's not be that church. Let's be a church of grace, amen? We've been fully accepted by Christ. So if we've been fully accepted by Christ, accepted by Christ, we're gonna give everybody the benefit of the doubt that, so that they have a chance to be fully accepted by Christ too and to receive that for themselves. It's not always easy, but it's right. And the right thing is more important than my right to an offense, amen? So number one, extend grace every chance you get. Number two, stop making everything about me. Stop making everything about me. The second part of that, that, that key to unlocking our identity in Christ, Romans 12, 3, it says this, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment. Not to think himself more highly than he ought to think. What it's saying here is that because of the grace that God has given me, I say to everyone among you to not think of yourself more highly. In other words, stop thinking that everything's about you. In fact, I think that if I could just abridge this version a little bit, not adding to necessarily, but just, just expounding on this, not to think of himself more highly or as often as you do. You know what humility is, right? It's not thinking less of yourself. It's thinking about yourself less, right? So we need to get to the point where we're not making everything about ourselves. Think about the offenses that, that you have right now. I know that walking into this message, you guys, I had a week full of offenses that I could have just been like, oh, but I felt like God was just trapping me, you know? He was just like, no, you're going to have to have grace because you're going to be talking about grace. So if you're going to be talking about a message about not having the right to an offense, then I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have you practice what you preach. So I'm telling you, I thought I can think of like four offenses right now in my I'm letting it go, letting it go, letting it go. But I can think of four offenses like some of you can about people who have overlooked you, people who have not thanked you, people who um, owe you an apology. I, I know that you can think of these offenses, but maybe, just maybe, we need to stop thinking about ourselves and why it's offended us because You've heard the saying, hurt people hurt people, right? Why did that person say what they said? Why did that person not notice me? Or why did they not thank me? Or why did they not apologize yet? You know, I am willing also to, I'm just going to throw this out there, that some people that you're offended by have no idea that you're offended. Give them the benefit of that doubt. I know that there's been, I've, I've been on the flip side of it where somebody had held on to something um, for, I would say, two years and took me to coffee about two months ago. And I remember just being like, oh my gosh, I haven't talked to her in forever. This is going to be amazing. This is, we're going to get to catch up. I, I, I heard about some changes in her life. I cannot wait to hear about this. And I sit down at a Starbucks. She bought me Starbucks. I mean, she just like, you know, sweetened me up. And I'm like, hi, oh my gosh, how are you? And she's just like, remember that Facebook message about two years ago? And you know what, guys? It was a legitimate offense. And I couldn't do anything but just apologize. But here's the thing, I didn't know for two years. And she's like, I, I didn't think you knew because every time I saw you or like even you would like things on Facebook and she would just be like, you would just, you're just always happy whenever you saw me. So I knew you had no idea. But can you give the person that offended you the benefit of the doubt that they have no idea? 
And you know what she did that day? She was upfront and honest with me. She said, I've been praying, and I didn't want anything to separate us anymore because you were always so nice every time I saw you. And I didn't want to hold on to that fence anymore. And I, Jesus was just telling me on Easter Sunday a couple years ago that you're not totally free in me until you forgive Chrissy. And I'm thankful for that situation in my life because it helped me for, to not do what I did to her in a message that I really had no idea that I did, but I had to apologize. So I'm just throwing that out there for you. But hurt people hurt people. Let me go back to that concept. Hurt people hurt people. So the situation that I'm talking about that I walked into this, this week, I realized, um, so I'll tell you a little bit about it. I can't tell you too many details. Um, I mean, if you want to know the juicy details, come. No, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> so I was, um, Caleb and I um, were talking. He's like, you know, I wanted to tell you something, but I waited a couple weeks um, because I, didn't, I knew you would be really upset by it. I go, okay, what, what is this? Why am I the offended one right now? Okay, here we go. I'm preaching this message, but of course you're going to tell me this. Literally, this is what I'm telling him. Okay, tell me, tell me what is going to offend me. And, he's just, and he proceeds to tell me that two individuals have a certain opinion about me and Caleb, and um, he waited to tell me because I was like, he waited to tell me because he knew how much I valued that, those people's opinions. And to him, he kind of got past the point of caring what other people thought of. Not that he dismissed what they said, but, and not that I'm saying, okay, people have um, offenses, so don't, 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 don't care what they think. No, care what people think. But it's been a long-standing relationship with me and this individual who I don't think she thought that she was being offensive at all. Not at all. But... I realized that the, I allowed an offense into my life because I cared way too much about what that person thought. I cared more about what that person thought than what God thought about me. My husband, who's not even offended by this, and it's towards me and him, he was not offended because he has stopped caring about that much about how that person perceives him. And so I'm just asking you today, I'm just throwing that out there, if there's offenses that you can think of right now, have you not just held this sin of keeping an offense and not overlooking it? Is it not just that, or is it that you are caring too much about that person's approval and way too much, even more than how Christ approves of you? I know that for me, that's where my hang-up was. And so it's just interesting to me that we either put too much stock in what people say, that we forget about what God says, and we hold on to offenses. But God's saying, what do I say about you? What do I believe about you? What am I growing you through in this offense? Hold on to that so that you have the power and the strength to pass over and overlook an offense and get better. And let go of the opinions of other people and the approval of other people so that you can be freed up. Man, it was freeing this week, kind of. I'm getting there, guys. I'm getting there. It was freeing to just be like, you know what? You're right, honey. I mean, it's, it's a, it was a great comment that they, well, it wasn't really that great. <laughs> but um, 
Um, but I just feel like God's taking me through a journey about this. And I, I believe that he's starting to do that to you. And like some of the things are popping up in our minds of why we are getting so offended. But here's the thing. When we no longer have something to prove about ourselves to others, you have nothing to be offended about anymore. You're just you and you in Christ. He is your identity. He is your defense. If some of these offenses are like way left field, remember that Christ is your defense. He is your defense. And when he is our defense, we have no offense anymore because he's the one fighting for us. Amen? So I wanted to transition into something really quick here as I, I'm talking about these offenses that sometimes offenses... Um, can be, we can get so offended that we even feel like we have a right to be offensive. Let me, hold on for just a second. Listen to me on this. Not only do we need to lay down our right to be offended, but for some of us, we have to lay down our right to be offensive. What I'm saying here is that as Christians, and I believe Christians, again, I'm talking to Christians, I'm talking to myself, and I know that we're, I think as globally as a church, we're getting better. But I think sometimes, we can be defensive Christians, and defensive people are really easily offended because we're not allowing God to be our defense. I think we're getting better, like I said, but sometimes we're so focused on our values, our beliefs, what we think, what our church thinks, what we value, and we're totally forgetting about what God did for the people that we're trying to prove ourselves to for the people who don't believe in the same faith as we do. We're just all about us. We're all about who we are. And, and the point that I'm making here is that we need to stop making everything about me, right? We need to get to a place where some of our offenses don't give us the right to be offensive, like, well, this is what I believe, and so I'm just gonna tell them how it is straight on Facebook and blah, 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 blah. I mean, we'll get that attitude, and people feel that, and they like, are totally repelled by Christians because of that attitude. No one in here, of course, right? No one in here. But I'm just saying, we need to get to a place where we're more focused on what Christ represents and what he did on the cross and less about what we stand for. I love what Kathy Keller said. It's a pastor's wife, Tim Keller, but she says this in a blog that she wrote. It really is an offense against the grace of God as well as a misrepresentation of the character of Christ to be offensive when announcing the good news. In other words, when we're saying, oh, Jesus loves you, he forgives you, and we're not giving anybody the benefit of the doubt, that's really repulsive and offensive towards the character of who God is. And here... If you're wanting to prove yourself to people, if you're wanting to prove yourself to unbelievers, if you're trying to prove yourself to your family members who don't know Christ the way you know Christ, if you're trying to prove anything to anybody and try to, trying to be like, this is who I am and blah, 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 like this is what I stand for, stop talking about it. Stop talking about it. You're just going to get offended because they may not be on the same track as you and they may not want to believe what you believe right away. So stop talking about it. The best way to silence your offenders and to keep you from being offensive, to silence your critics, to silence your enemies is to serve. It's to be like Christ and serve like Christ did. Stop making it about you and start making it about serving other people and serving Christ. 
Philippians 2.7 says this, but he emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men. That's what Christ did. He didn't just say, believe in me, believe in me, believe in me. This is what I stand for. Believe in me. No, he said, I came to serve you and give my life for you and die on a cross for you that you might experience my grace and my forgiveness. I've been fully accepted by Christ. You've been fully accepted by Christ. We cannot reject anybody who who has offended us. It's not right. I'm sorry, it's not easy, but it's right. And we're gonna do what's right because it matters more than our right to be offended. And finally, extend grace every chance I get. Stop making everything about me. Number three, forgive as I've been forgiven. I know I said this earlier that hurting people hurt people, right? But let's take it another step and know that forgiving people, forgiven people, forgive people. Somebody say forgiven. Forgiven people forgive people. Colossians 3.13 says this, bearing with one another and if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other as the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. And this is just really what I've been saying all this whole time. We've been fully accepted by Christ. We've been forgiven. So you have to, you must, you should, you, you, you will be delighted. You will be, you will be blessed when you accept others, forgive their offense, overlook their offense, pass over their offense and not reject them, but receive them instead. We need to get to that place. But here's the thing, our flesh is always at battle with our spirit. So the temptation would be to repay evil with evil the same way hurt people hurt people. But I want you to think about this concept of Passover. You know, I talked about how this this phrase of overlooking an offense translates to something called Passover. And how many people know about um, the Passover that the the Jews celebrate Passover? I'm just gonna explain to you in really short teaching here about what Passover actually means. Um, Back in the Old Testament, do you know how people were forgiven? How were people forgiven? They were forgiven by taking an innocent animal, an innocent animal, and they would sacrifice the animal at an altar. And the blood that was shed by that innocent animal forgave a person's sin, right? So this is in the Old Testament. And then, and then um, do you, how many people know about the, the plagues that were sent during Moses' time? Um, you know, when, right before the Ten Commandments, not really right before, but before he split the Red Sea and uh, Moses was trying to liberate his people um, from the Egyptians and um, God was sending all these plagues, not, not if you know what I'm talking about, Okay, and um, one of the plagues was that every firstborn would be would die. God would would kill every firstborn child, and what he told the the Jews to do was to um, was to take the blood of a lamb and dip a sponge in the lamb uh, in the blood, and then and then put a put a, a splash of blood in the center and then um, the, each corner of the doorpost, he, you'd also put the lamb's blood there. And that would indicate to the death angel to pass over, to pass over that house so that that firstborn child would not die. So that's where this word Passover comes, okay? So what happens? 
And, and what's so cool is that when the, the, the blood was put on the doorposts, one in the center, and of course it would streak down, and then one on either side of the doorposts, each corner of the doorposts, there was a foreshadowing of what Christ was gonna do on a cross. Do you see that? A foreshadowing of what Christ was gonna do for the cross. And you know what Christ represents? Christ represents the perfect lamb that was put on a cross to pass over every sin that we've ever committed and ever will commit and has forgiven us for it. I mean, do you see how incredible that is? That God passed over our sin. God passed over, overlooked all of our sins. So because he's done that, we have to do that to other people. We are forgiven, so therefore we must forgive. So many of us get so caught up in our offenses and God's just saying, overlook them, forgive them. You're gonna be much freer. We get so caught up in our offenses that we forget the mission and the calling that we have to bring people to Jesus. The more that you have build up offenses of other, towards other people, the more you separate yourself from people. And the more that person who may not know Jesus will never get to know Jesus. And even if they do know Jesus, you're separating yourself from the body of Christ and you're isolating yourself you're isolating them and you're not showing the unitedness that the body of Christ can be. And it says in his word that the people who don't know God will know him through the love that the body of Christ has for one another. We need to get to a place where we love one another better. We need to go to a place where we show forgiveness to other people the way Christ has forgiven us. We don't deserve it, but he gave it to us. You know, don't get caught up in the fences that you have the offenses that you feel like you have a right to. Because honestly, if you really think about it, we're bond servants of Christ. We have no rights. I love this and I'm gonna read this because it's just so powerful and I don't wanna miss a beat. But the cross actually represents the greatest offense if you're trying to tell somebody about Jesus and how much they need Jesus. Let me, let me read it to you and tell you why. The cross declares how dire is our condition apart from Christ. It announces how deep this sin goes, how profound the rebellion is, how impossible is our plight apart from him from the outside. There's nothing we can do, no effort we can exert, no law that we can follow. The message of Christ crucified says you're an absolute failure in relation to what's most important. The horror of killing the Son of God points to the horror of our condition. The badness of Good Friday is a tribute to the badness of us. The cross embodies some of the most offensive things possible you could say about someone in relation to God and eternity. This gruesome death Jesus died, you earned it. The hell Jesus endured, you deserved it forever. The shame he underwent, the scorn, the disrespect, the hurt, all these are as suitable to us sinners as they're unsuitable to the sinless one. I know that might sound really harsh, like, wow, I came here to be encouraged, Chrissy. But I'm not here to condemn you. 
I'm here to tell you the truth and the reality of our sin. And I'm here to give praise and honor to the one who wipes all of that away in Jesus' name. His grace is sufficient for us. His grace that he has freely given to us sets us free. It sets us free from the bondage of sin. We deserve hell, death, and the grave. But God, but God, but Jesus, but Jesus, he wiped it clean and he has extended his grace for us and says, I've got you, I've got you, I've overlooked it. Come be a part of my family. Come be a part of the kingdom. Come join me in eternity in heaven. That's how great our God is. That's how much he loves us. And that's how much he's pleading with us. Overlook an offense so that you might, re you might receive my grace, so that you might enjoy the, 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 how I have overlooked and passed over your offense, the way you've offended me. That's how good our God is. Amen. I believe that some of us needed to hear that today, needed to know the reality of our sin, but even more than the reality of our sin, we needed to hear how good, how good, good, good our Father is and how what He did on the cross has set us free. Amen? Amen. Would you bow your heads in this place?